Hi, my name is Kent. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> and uh, greetings from the Northwest Baptist Convention, which you are a part of. You might not know that. I hope you do. You've taken an offering for that and stuff. My official title is, I am, you ready? I am the Northwest Baptist Convention Region 5 Evangelism and Church Health slash Church Planting Catalyst. Yeah, amen, right. So my business cards are really long. <laughs> you know, they have that title on there. And uh, part of my job is I get to go around and encourage churches to best health practice and uh, good practices in church, which I love these songs that you guys sang and the worship you sang. Good-looking Scott up there, so I really appreciate that. My wife, Debbie, uh, is not here. She's at our home church across town. She'll be here for the second service, but uh, she brings her greetings and says hello. So thanks for letting me be here this morning. Some of you may have noticed already, especially when I smile, which I try to do, about five to six years ago, I got struck with Bell's palsy. Anybody know what that is? You've heard of it before? Yeah. Now, most people, it's when about half your face paralyzes, right? And most people recover, but for me, I'm special, right? So uh, it's, it's lingering. So when I smile, people sometimes they're like, you know, this, this side of his face is happy. This side I'm not quite so sure about, you know, what's going on there? And so people think, you know, maybe he's a little duplicitous there, you know, this side, what's he really thinking? But it's, it's not my fault. It's Jesus did this to me. So you can take that up with him. But some of you guys who I've already shaken hands with, it's not contagious. So... <laughs> guys are already like, oh man, I touched that guy earlier. Max is thinking, dang, man, I need to wash my hands. But it, it's not catchy that way. But, you know, I was a, a full-time pastor back when I got Bell's palsy. And man, I mean, you, you can barely even speak when it first hits. And I still have a little bit of a lisp. My eye doesn't quite close all the way. But people would ask me, you know, they'd see my droopy left side of my face. They'd say, wow, what do you do for a living, I'd say, I'm a, I'm a public speaker, you know, and they'd say, sure you are, buddy, right, right, but uh, God's helped me recover, I can speak a, a little bit, but right in the middle of, of preaching for the Lord, right, sharing his gospel, I get this weird thing that happens to like one percent of the population or something like that, and I'm like, Lord, what's, why, unconfessed sin, my wife told me, I don't know, why does this happen, Lord, and sometimes things just happen in our lives that we're not quite sure why they happen, yeah? You ever had something like that maybe happen in your life? Something that makes you kind of scratch your head and think, Lord, what's going on? Well, hold that thought, okay, because we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, but before we get there, I want to ask, are there any jigsaw puzzle workers in the house that'll confess to it. Yeah, all right, right on. Some of you youngers don't know what this is. Jigsaw puzzle is uh, it's a fun thing that uh, some people do to, uh, who are masochistic to themselves. But anyway, I'll get to that later. But uh, jigsaw puzzle, you have all these pieces and you put these pieces together and uh, it makes a beautiful picture, right? So puzzle workers in the house, help me out. When you first start a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, what's the, f after you lay out all the pieces, of course, you, you do that first, right? After you do that, what's the first thing you do when you're working a puzzle? The border, thank you. Yes, you have to make the border. It gives you the parameter, lets you show what you're going to do. Okay, we got any border piece? Yeah, right on. These are, these are right on. Good for you. Now, evidently, 
you're going to think, where's this guy from? But evidently, there are people who don't do the borders first. I know, I know. And they, they lay out the pieces and they put the, the blue sky pieces over here and they start working on the sky before the borders. Yeah, or the grass, I know. <gasps> any, any color sorters out there that it'll admit it? A couple of you, okay, yeah, we got to pray for those guys right now, Lord. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm just kidding. My wife is actually a color sorter, and she she's like a puzzle ninja, right? She's putting pieces together. I'm still turning them over on the table, right? She's she does about a hundred pieces to my two, right? And and so, which you know, kind of is maybe you're like me. Some of you, it's like, why would I want to work? on a puzzle, right? It's just, for me, it's kind of an exercise in frustration. I'm trying to put these pieces together. I want to fit, get a piece of scissors, you know, and cut them to, to size and stuff. And uh, I'd rather just get a root canal, you know. Debbie, my wife, says, let's do a puzzle. Okay, that'd be great. <laughs> but whether, whether you're a border sorter or one of those color freaks, right, or, or a piece pounder, if you're doing a puzzle, there's one thing that really helps to do the puzzle. And what is that? It's the picture, right? It's the border piece. In fact, most people, they'll set this up, you know, right next to the puzzle so they can kind of watch it, you know, and see, okay, where does this piece go? You know, they kind of compare it. My wife doesn't do that. She puts this away. She thinks that makes it too easy. Yeah. But most people, they look at this picture that tells you what it's going to look like in the end. All right. Thank God for the pox top picture, right? Can I get an amen from the puzzled people in the room? Amen for that. Amen for that. Okay. Now, if this is your first time to church, you might think you've stumbled into a, a hobby house cult or, or something. I thought we were going to hear about Jesus. He's talking about puzzles. Well, bear with me, okay? Those of you who have been to church for a while, you can probably kind of see where I'm going with this. And that, that's this. Sometimes a puzzle is a pretty good picture of our lives. Yeah? Where we've got this partially completed piece of our lives, and we can look back and say, oh, that's nice, that's pretty, or not. And then we've got these pieces that we can't quite figure out where they go. We get these pieces that make us think, no, there's no way this piece fits into my life puzzle. I, I don't want that piece as part of my life puzzle. And we get, we get confused. And we think, Lord, why did you allow this piece into my life? And to make it worse, we don't have this, right? We don't have the box top we might think we do, <laughs> right? If you've lived for a while, you know, I thought my life picture was going to look like something pretty like this, but what the heck is that over in that corner? And what's coming up that I don't understand? And, and only God has the box top to our lives, a future thing that we don't know about. We can't figure out. The Apostle Paul wrote about this reality as he tried to make sense of some of the crazy pieces of his own life 
puzzle. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can follow along in your Bible or read it up here. And Paul said this, he wrote this. He said, now, everybody say now with me. Now, good, good. We see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, right? But then, everybody say then. Then, good, we will see everything with perfect clarity, like we have the box top. All that I know, say it with me, now, good, is partial and incomplete, right? But when? Then I will know everything completely, just as God, when? Now knows me completely. So scripture tells us that evidently there's this now where it's kind of puzzling and confusing often and then there's this then where we'll know things completely. But until then, our now can often be very puzzled. Amen? For example, you're living your life and you're slapping down your puzzle pieces and you think life is good And then you get this piece. This is the physical ailment piece. This is the COVID piece. This is the cancer piece. This is the piece that says, the doctor's diagnosis on it, it says you're going to be living in pain for a long, long time. And you just can't figure out how this piece is going to fit into your beautiful life puzzle picture. Or maybe you're working your puzzle piece and and you get this piece. This is a pretty common piece. This is the struggling marriage piece. And this one sometimes is doubly hard because you thought this piece was going to make up one of the most beautiful areas of your life picture. And yet it's turned out to be one of the darkest corners of your life picture or maybe you're single and you can't figure out lord why don't i have a marriage part of my picture and you can't quite make sure why what god would give you this piece or you you get this piece this is the i lost my job for no reason piece or you get this piece this is the rebellious lost child piece or you get this piece which is the we lost our pastor And you're just trying to make sense of it all. And truth be told, you're puzzled. And you're wondering, Lord, how does this fit into my life picture? How do we make sense of things that just don't make sense? Well, like all of life's difficulties, all of life's questions thank God that we have his word. Amen? We have the Bible that we can turn to for answers. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open those up this morning. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we're going to be looking at a story of a man who was having a really hard time making sense of a life puzzle piece that he had been handed. And it's my prayer that through his experience, we will find some answers to our own questions, to our own puzzling pieces 
of life. So starting in Matthew 11, verse 2, the Bible says this. When John, who was in prison, now I'm just going to stop right there before we even get into it and, and point out what you probably already know. This is John the Baptist. And he wasn't in prison for breaking some law or being a bad boy, but for speaking the truth about God. And an evil king didn't like that, and so the king threw him in jail. But John was this spiritual superstar. John was just the guy. He was the guy that the Old Testament prophesied about that would be the forerunner for the Messiah of the world. It's that John. John was the guy whose mother was the first cousin of Mary, Jesus's mom, which made him second cousin to Jesus. I mean, he's related to Jesus. That's on his resume. John was the guy who, before he was even born, he leapt in his mother Elizabeth's womb when Mary, pregnant with Jesus, just walked into the room. I, I pray that we would do that as we praise Jesus here in church, much less in our womb like John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was the guy who baptized the Savior of the world. So you'd think John the Baptist would know who Jesus is, right? Sounds like he's a good guy. He's probably got a pretty good resume like many of us. You'd think it'd be safe to assume that he'd know Jesus, or so you would think. But check out what happens in this passage. Matthew 11, verses 2 and 3, it says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that's Jesus, he sent his disciples, John sent his disciples, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? A record scratch. And we, right now we should be thinking, wait a minute, how can spiritual superstar John the Baptist be asking such a question? What's up with that? And the answer is this, I think. It's because John the Baptist got this peace in his life. It's the peace of my cousin Jesus is out doing miracles in the world just across town while I languish in a prison dungeon for no evil of my own. And even spiritual superstar John the Baptist couldn't help but think, Jesus are you really who you say you are or not? Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can think, I've had some questions like that in my life as well. But the question of John, when he asked it, spiritual superstar he is, leads us to the first thing that I think his life lesson, his life puzzle can teach us this morning when, when we can't make sense of things that are making sense. The first thing he teaches us is this. Don't be afraid to ask God for answers. Sometimes as good Christians, right, when something bad happens to us, we've kind of been trained to just say, well, praise the Lord, which is good. Well, you know, it's all in God's plan, which is good. But inside... We're a little bit more like, right? And we're a little puzzled, truth be told. It's great to trust God. We just sang about that. But I would posit this morning that one of the ways we learn about what is all this in my life, Lord, is by asking him. And I'm not just talking about, Lord, why is this going on? Okay, got nothing. Let's go on. 
I'm talking about getting serious with prayer. We've had these life puzzle pieces like John, and we want to say, Jesus, where are you in this piece? And I think John shows us, let's ask God. Seriously, let's get earnest about it. And see, when John asked Jesus, Jesus is out doing miracles. John's disciples came over and said, are you the Messiah or not? Jesus could have gone, oh my goodness, how dare cousin John ask me such a question in front of all these people. You wait till I tell your Aunt Mary about this. Your mom Elizabeth is so going to get on you. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't get angry, and God won't get angry at us either when we ask. In fact, it's often through our humble, desperate questions to God that he reveals to us the answers to what doesn't make sense in our life. When you get a life puzzle piece that you just can't understand, I'd encourage us all to get serious about our prayers. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons that God allows some of these pieces because he desperately wants us to be intimate with him in prayer. Not just a a superficial prayer of thank you, Lord, for this food, but a desperate prayer. Listen for God's answers. Ask him for them, but be sure to listen for his answers. John got his answer right away. When in Matthew 11, verses 4 and 5, we read this. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead arise, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And we say, woohoo, man, we love these kind of puzzle pieces, right? We love it when Jesus is doing miracles and life is going great and the church is booming and we're working a life puzzle and we say, where does this go? Oh yeah, boom, Jesus heals me. That piece is awesome. And we get this piece and we go, oh, wham, financial prosperity. I love that puzzle piece and we get this one and we go ah my lost son is saved we love that and and we love those kind of pieces and we all have those kind of pieces in our lives if we would look back at our life puzzles it's not all doom and gloom there are infinite blessings like we just sang about this morning we all have those kind of puzzle pieces in our lives and i think that's the next time we're trying to make sense of things that don't make sense i think that's part of john's lesson to us this morning and that is remember god's past blessings and i know sometimes that sounds cliche it sounds trite my mom used to sing this little song count your blessings name them one by one and sometimes honestly i'd be like (laughs) but i think there's wisdom in that to look back at our blessing when we're tempted to think that god has forgotten us. Recall the times in our past that God has taken these ugly pieces when we first picked them up and thought, there is no way this is going to make something pretty in my life. But in hindsight now, we look back and think, you know what? This Bell's palsy piece that I still don't like, it helps keep me humble before the Lord. And that's a good thing. And we can see how God redeems those puzzle pieces in our lives that he sometimes gives us that we don't understand. If we had time, I bet each one of us in here could testify about puzzle pieces just like that in our lives, that when we first had it, we thought it was the worst puzzle piece ever, but now we can look back and see how it was a positive thing. 
But we don't have time for that, so we're not going to do that right now. So forget that. God's blessings are too many to count, okay? And remembering those helps us discover our current, how our current puzzle pieces fit into the big picture. And Jesus reminded John of, of that to help him refocus on God's goodness, what was going on for God's kingdom goodness instead of this current puzzling dilemma of languishing in prison. But then, and this is, this is kind of the crux of this morning's message, then Jesus says this very strange thing. Jesus has just rattled off this list of miracles that he's been doing. And if we were there, we might go, woohoo, we love that. But then in Matthew eleven six, Jesus says this, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And we think stumble on account of Jesus, that's, that sounds weird, right? What, and what does that have to do with all those miracles that you just rattled off Jesus and what does it have to do with John's question of whether you're the Messiah or not what do you mean by this and I think Jesus was telling John and maybe he's telling us as well John I'm the Messiah when I'm giving sight to the blind I'm the Messiah when I'm causing the lame to walk. I am the Messiah when lepers are healed and the dead here and even the dead are raised back to life. And when you survive COVID and when the church is booming and life is great. But cousin John, I am still the Messiah even when you're in prison. And if you can remember that, John, and not stumble in your faith, over the fact that I didn't prevent you from going to prison, you will be blessed. Because you will, will have learned one of life's toughest yet most important lessons when trying to make sense of things that don't make sense. And that is we have to trust God's sovereignty. And it's tough. It is tough. Jesus was telling John, and I believe is telling us today, that God's sovereignty does not depend on our circumstances. And if we can get that in our mind, and even more so in our heart, and even greater in our lips, we'll have learned a fantastic but tough lesson. When things are not going the way we'd like them to, we can still trust God's sovereignty. Even when you can't make sense of something in your life, God is still sovereign. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. And He still loves you. And even though Jesus didn't rescue John from prison like we would have liked the story to go, in fact, it's the prison that John would eventually die in while Jesus was walking around doing miracles. Even though Jesus didn't rescue John, He still loved him and Jesus still loves you after sending John's disciples back to report to John Jesus gave this beautiful testimony of his cousin John's powerful ministry you can read about it there in Matthew 11 and Jesus kind of wrapped it up with these words about John in verse 11 he said truly I tell you he's telling everybody out those out there among those born of women there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist man Jesus obviously loved his cousin John 
And he knew he didn't deserve to be in prison. And he even called him the greatest man ever. If anyone ever deserved to be sprung from prison or not go to prison, it would have been John. And yet in his mysterious sovereignty, God allowed John to go there and eventually die there. And it makes us scratch our head and think the very last thing in John the Baptist's puzzle, life puzzle, down in the corner was him dying in prison, getting beheaded in prison. And it makes us scratch our heads and think, well, if that can happen to John the Baptist, what hope do I have? Spiritual superstar John the Baptist, what's up with that? Now, I don't pretend to know why that was part of God's plan for John. Maybe it was so we could be encouraged by it today, or maybe it's discouraging to us today. I hope not. And I don't pretend to know why you're going through, maybe what you're going through this morning. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus' next words give us an idea. Jesus said this in verse 11. He said, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And here it is. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Church, that whoever... That's us. That's us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ said, whoever is least, I'll take that moniker, <laughs> least in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than John the Baptist. That's us. Why in the world would Jesus say that? When we compare our lives to John the Baptist, we think, Jesus, I think you got that wrong. Maybe he's just talking metaphorically. John was the spiritual superstar. How can Jesus say we're greater than John the Baptist? And here's why. It's because while John was languishing in prison, wondering if, in fact, Jesus was the Messiah or not, we never have to wonder that. Amen? We have over 2,000 years of Christ's faithfulness to prove that, in fact, he was who he said he was. We're greater than John because right after John was actually beheaded in prison, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world, and he rose from the dead to triumph over every puzzle piece that life gives us. And he sent us the Holy Spirit to live within us, something that only special select guys in the Old Testament got. Even the least citizen in the kingdom of heaven has the Spirit living within him, giving us direct access with no special ritual or killing of a goat to have access to our Heavenly Father of God's comfort and His peace and His power and His joy and His patience and His wisdom and all those things, no matter what puzzle piece in life we are handed. Amen? That's why Jesus says we are greater than John the Baptist. Jesus was the answer to John's question then, and Jesus is the answer to our questions of life today. We might not be in prison like John was, you know, but, but we know that no matter what craziness is going on in the world around us or what happens to us personally, Jesus has overcome it all. Jesus spells this out for us really clear. If you don't believe it from Matthew 11, let's look at John 16. Jesus says this, I have told you all this, all the crazy stuff that's going to happen in the world that won't make sense to us. I've told you that so that you may have peace in who? In me. 
peace in Jesus, not peace in our circumstances, not peace because he's going to rescue us from prison or whatever's going on. Jesus says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, not just a couple, many. But take heart, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. All those puzzle pieces that we don't understand. What is the answer to the world's puzzling pieces in our lives? What's the answer to our trials, our sorrows? It's Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate answer when the world doesn't make sense. Only Jesus has overcome all those puzzle pieces. Only Jesus can grant us the peace that we so desperately need, the wisdom that we so desperately need when we get one of those puzzle pieces that just doesn't make sense. My prayer for all of us today is that whatever we're facing, and I don't know what you may be facing today, if we would listen intently to Christ's final words at the very end of this powerful testimony that he gives about John the Baptist, knowing, of course, because he's the Messiah, what was going to happen to John the Baptist. He wrapped up his whole passage about John at the end of Matthew 11 when he says to all, come to me come to me, not come to better circumstances or perfect life or health, wealth, and wisdom. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened by a puzzle piece that you don't understand, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give you rest. Why don't we ask God to help us do that in our hearts right now this morning? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for this strange, puzzling story about Jesus' cousin John. That honestly, Father, even as I preach it, still makes me scratch my head why that would need to be the end of John's life. And Father, I pray this morning that if there are those here this morning that maybe right now feel like they have an ugly, misshapen puzzle, life puzzle piece in their hands, and they, they don't understand it. I pray right now, God, that we would see you, Jesus, as our ultimate answer. Not even the reason why we have this piece as the ultimate answer, but to trust your sovereignty enough to see that you are the answer. And God, I pray that we won't be afraid to ask to keep knocking on that door, banging on the door of heaven and saying, God, why? But that we wouldn't put our faith in the answer to why. That we wouldn't stumble on account of your sovereignty. God, I pray that we would receive the blessing that Jesus promised to John, that we will be blessed if we don't stumble in our faith because of you. God, I pray that we would remember our past blessings today. How you have been so incredibly faithful. We as Americans, Father, are so incredibly blessed. I pray that we would remember that as we question you, Father, to trust your sovereignty. Jesus, help us to keep our eyes focused on you, not our circumstances. And as we do, Father, I pray that we will receive those blessings that you promise us to those who would walk 
and live and love in your name. Thank you for your word, Father. We trust you and we love you and pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. If God's been working in your hearts this morning, if he maybe has called you to just give him an extra special ask this morning of something that's going on in your life, I would just invite you to the front as we finish this morning to have some earnest prayer with him and just let your walk forward be an indicator to him of how serious you are about that prayer in your life. Bless you all.